Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Hello, this is Tim Reedy sitting in for Father Matt Malone, joined uh, as always by Carrie Weber and also our colleague Zach Davis. We are now going to speak with our guest of the day, Father Jack Bentz, who lives in the Bronx, works for the Jesuit Conference, and has become something of a resident uh, parish etiquette expert at (laughs) AmericanMagazine.org, for better or worse. I don't know if that's what he wants, but welcome to the show, Father. Thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, So your latest piece uh, is called... How parishes can turn Christmas Catholics into regular mass goers, and this comes from the idea that at Christmas and presumably Easter as well, a lot of people show up that don't usually show up during the rest of the year, and uh, pews are packed. Sometimes people get a little crabby about that, like, "Ooh, this person who doesn't show up took my regular seat, etc." You or know, parking all the, spot, right? <laughs> all, all of the things that you know really matter in life. And, I can't arrive thirty seconds before mass, and right? Get a seat. And get yeah. a seat. <laughs> um, and then also, occasionally, right, the people that have, have finally, you know, made the effort to show up are then shamed by the priest or by right. the, the parishioners. And so, like, they get a little lecture of like, well, thanks, nice of you to show up or whatnot. And, and we thought maybe, you know, uh, a different approach would be warranted. Yeah, it, it certainly it certainly is for me. Having been, you know, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I know that's a surprise, but having <laughs> having gone to a lot of masses and having been in and out of the church as far as like regular attendance before I became a priest, uh, and I have experienced a whole range of welcomes or not. And then as a as a priest, it's really hard to like figure out how to craft good welcoming pieces so that you can actually be welcoming rather than sarcastic. What's the, what's the <laughs> difficult? Uh, it, so someone might hear this and say. You really, is it hard to just welcome someone? Just say it. Uh, it, it. It. You wouldn't think it would be hard. Yeah. But you. 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 You always have a very mixed audience or a congregation, and you're trying to continue to speak to not necessarily for, but to a, a wider group. And so I have some sympathy for parishes that seem to, in my mind, uh, get it wrong in the sense of uh, they get very protective mm-hmm. about what they have, and they feel then you can have this kind of rising sense of I'm here all the time. Why aren't these other people? Yeah. Right. And I, I yeah, I, I have some sympathy too because yeah. these these folks are overworked and sure. uh, pastors who you know uh, have very little help and they're kind mm-hmm. of exhausted and you know they they want more people to be involved and when they're not it's it's I'm sure it's very frustrating and yeah. that can come through yeah but it can be such a great opportunity for people that uh, are in a mixed family as in mom always goes to church and I'm dragged to it once a year <laughs> and it can turn out to be a great experience and they can actually come back and figure out oh this could be a place for me because I was welcomed here and you wrote this for two groups of people both the regular mass goers who are there every mm-hmm. week um, but also the people who are coming on Christmas and Easter right for the Correct. first time maybe so um, on the off chance that someone is listening to this channel right now who doesn't go to church all that often uh, maybe went for the first time at Christmas uh, what, what advice did you have for them uh, as they're sort of coming back to the church maybe in yeah. a new way well one of the things I didn't say in this particular article just it's a shorter piece is that I think a lot of people uh, left a church that no longer exists and they come back with uh, all of this burden about well, what's wrong with the church and they had a real experience of being excluded or it wasn't the right thing for them or whatever and the church has moved on but they haven't 
the church has changed, uh, it's a whole different parish. They may not even be in the same one. And you, they come with so much of a, uh, a burden or baggage, they, they can't actually have a real experience of the real church that they're actually experiencing because they have, you know, they're trying to have Christmas in a nest of preconceived notions. And so just encouraging people to show up with a certain openness as well and not to think that, you know, the limitations of the liturgy are directed to drive them away. You know, <laughs> no, it's not. You know, people are doing the best they can, and sometimes it's not very good. Yeah. Right. Yes. You, you write about uh, this image of being the innkeeper and, mm-hmm. uh, at, at the page. I wonder if you can elaborate on that a little bit. It was just a, it was just a way in to try to... Uh, so, so much of what we do, I think, in the liturgy, uh, whether you're a presider or a regular masco or, or part of musicians or whatever, is an act of imagination, of trying to imagine what the experience is like for someone who's there for the first time. And I think I was trained as an actor, and so, you know... I remember being told over and over again, I know you've done the show 400 times, but this is the first time they're seeing it, you know, and have enough imagination to experience, to understand what's that, what's that person's experience. And so the innkeeper notion for me is just, how do you answer the door again, even though you've answered it 400 times already, but it's the first time that person came to the door. Right. And how do you actually welcome them in and, and delighted to see them? Because fundamentally we are, I mean, if we, think that the, the thing we're doing in the Catholic Church is life-giving, we want to share it. So concrete things, what should people have done at Christmas? It's okay if you didn't. There's still It comes around next year um, in your parish. So what are some concrete things that parishes should be doing uh, for Christmas Catholics? Well, I think what they could be doing, because uh, to your point, that uh, often the staff is usually you know stretched very thin trying to make it, make it happen, is that I think a, a personal welcome is really in, a, a big important piece, but also to invite the regular Catholic, regular churchgoers uh, to be part of the welcoming, part of the, wow, look around, there are brand new people here. So when you say personal welcome, you mean the priest should be giving a personal welcome? A priest or a parish administrator or someone that has a, a capacity to stand up and speak for the regular mass goers and say and recognize hey it's christmas and we're actually welcoming people that aren't always here and then give them what they need to actually worship and that's why you know i've suggested in the article that you might pay attention to the worship uh, guide or the worship aid all the time and as a presider i see this all the time is that you know you stand up and you kind of leap into the creed that's a great example and immediately all the people that don't know the creed don't know the new creed Right. Uh, or feel completely excluded, you know, rather than the, the priest can say, please turn to page 74 or it's in your worship aid. Let's turn to that. And then yeah. everybody has a chance to do it. And I, as presider, always read the creed so that people can feel free to do it. Right. You know, rather than I, I do actually know the creed, uh, but, <laughs> I, uh, but, you know, I actually read it so that everyone can feel like, OK, so right. there's no admission it. of guilt associated no, with it. It's just all, like we're reading it. We're just yeah. reading it so that people can actually participate. But you can do that throughout the entire liturgy of all those call and response sort of pieces or the active and somewhat conscious uh, participation is possible. And, and you mentioned something that uh, I didn't think about that most people are going to be like Googling around for. You know what they're mm-hmm. what mass they're going to going to be going to. So a lot of your welcoming has to happen where people are going to encounter you first, which is now online. Absolutely, and you know I do. I don't have a parish because I, I work in uh, in Jesuit formation uh, of of young Jesuit priests. But so I am. I do supply work, which means I go to to masses on the weekend to say mass. I go to parishes on the weekend to say mass, and I'm always online trying to figure out 
what time's the mass? I'm supposed to be saying it. And I can't find it. You know, so I'm going to the website, which is often underdeveloped, politely. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, digging around on it to try to find even when the mass time is. That's on just regular, regular basis. Yeah. Uh, and much less on Christmas when people are, you know, new to town or visiting or whatever. And they, they have a moment where they thought, dang it, I should go to church. And then there's not an openness to actually be able to do it. And something you mentioned was putting, even putting how long mass is going to be. I was just uh, going to say that. Correct. That's, that is uh, correct. fascinating. And, and, you know, I, a lot of the, the work. Do you that, actually know going into it how long it's going to be? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, you could, you can, and you can you post can predict. it too. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that I, one of the jobs I had recently was uh, starting a Catholic student center at a state university, which kind of operated like a parish. So I had an opportunity to build a lot of new stuff in kind of a laboratory mm-hmm. setting. And a lot of our work was for trying to understand how men come into the church. And men. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, because uh, they're often in a family unit the one that takes the most, you know, dynamite to get them into the church. Um, and so sometimes so their question is, how long is this going to be? How long is it going to take? You know, and so sometimes if you can address specifically, this is how long it's going to take. Uh, well, why not? I mean, it's easy enough yeah. to do. So There is something psychologically where if you know how much, how long your pain is last going to last, you, <laughs> Precisely. it's easier to bear. Yeah, you think, okay, great, I can, I can do it. I can do it. And then once they're there, They've, they've admitted, they've d- decided to take that one hour. So. Yeah, I mean, I had this problem yesterday. Like, I find Holy Day is particularly difficult to yes. try to find a mass time. I think I was on website. I had to click three times to try to find And then I'm, like, downloading the PDF of the oh, newsletter. The to, I it's, often have to, you have to download yeah. the bulletin from the previous week. Which you only know if you're, if you're going know. and Precisely. reading the bulletin. Precisely. You know, I started working in this particular student center, and one of the announcements went like this. Uh, this woman got up and said, if you're interested in returning Catholics, it's going to be, we're going to meet in the nook. Please see Rose. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what the program is. I don't know where the hell the nook is, and I don't know who Rose is. <laughs> so the only people that knew that you don't need it. Like, you can figure uh, out this code. Can you, you're welcome. What? But that's it's like a, a Da Vinci code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that is a great metaphor for how we sort of treat parish life in general. Yeah. Right. Um, I remember having a very I'm thinking about this a lot as someone who's preparing for marriage in the mm-hmm. church. And I am a regular mass goer, but I am having to deal with a maybe a parish that I don't go to regularly um, where I'm going to get married. And uh, a lot of it is just like unnecessary bureaucratic red tape that's been built up over the years. Right. Um, someone compared it to me. Uh, I was complaining about it once and someone said, oh, it's just like it's just like anything, you know, like Con Ed. If you, you, you just pick <laughs> up the phone, call them and talk to a human being and you'll get what you need taken care of. And I had this realization like, oh, my God, we're comparing ourselves to the electric company <laughs> for customer service. <laughs> And and yeah, and failing. Yeah, well, but it, but it is like a, a right. they a, have better customers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. No. Um, one question I had, uh, fellow Jack, is you know, um, and I'll come clean here. Sometimes I go to a church that has somebody who's welcoming in the welcoming ministry, and. I kind of go in the other direction because mm-hmm. you kind of want to go in. <laughs> Tim, our introverted editor. <laughs> no, I, but I don't think I'm alone here. I mean, no. people want quiet in church. They want to be able to go to, you know, they, they're not necessarily there to have a conversation with somebody when they walk in the door. Um, but so the idea is that you're welcoming different kinds of people with different kinds of needs into the church every Sunday. Right. So yeah. how do you do that? It's tricky. I mean, as you were saying before, like trying to welcome somebody who's new, somebody who's been there forever, somebody 
who wants quiet, somebody who wants to be greeted. So I, I guess there's no easy way to do this. But it uh, is tricky. Yeah, <laughs> and you you can't just have a, a one set system, right? Right, and a variety of people. But also sometimes a, in a parish setting or in a Catholic student center setting like I was working in, often the first people that volunteer to be welcomers, you might want to wait for the second set. (laughs) Um, Or there's people that you know and you go and ask them. And, you know, there'll be people that you know that just have a really open way about them and can read people really well and are available to them. And you just, you start creating a team like that. Yeah. You know, and I would say across the board, this happens with, lectors with Eucharistic ministers, all the rest. Um, my, my parish priest always says no one does anything for him unless he asks. <laughs> um, and so that's that's his, he invites you to do everything and anything. And um, and that, I don't think that happens enough either. There is just sort of like, we're going to wait for somebody to step up. Somebody to step up. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's a mistake because there's, there's no organization in the world that survives or excels by that methodology of HR. <laughs> okay, uh, so why does the church think it can? Right, you know, because the the, the peri- gates of hell will not perish against us. <laughs> they will not if you do your HR right. You know, uh, yeah. go out and find the people that you know can do the job you have in mind the way that you think it could best be done. And it's true. Like if I was working parish and I saw a friend of mine who I see at church every week, and I know you know that's a good choice for somebody to do that job. Yeah, I would go up and say yeah. hi because it's like yeah, this is this is the right call having this person there. So finding the right people is correct as often. And <laughs> and, and and if you don't if you don't know that people actually sing or, or play musical instruments, for instance or read well, you don't know your parish well enough. Yeah. So, right, right, right. Yeah. The Archdiocese of Detroit this year actually had a special campaign to welcome people back at Christmas also. Mm. And I think they've been reading some of your previous articles <laughs> from America. <laughs> because one of the things they actually suggested was sitting in the middle of the pew, which oh, is what, what, something you had written about for us previously. And I was like, we are changing the parish <laughs> culture one article at a time. Uh, you know, making not sitting on the edge and kind of like leaving that empty gap in the center where no one can fit and everybody kind of, kind of shuffles in a little later, even on time or early at Christmas and like can't quite find a place. Yeah. It was a great thing that you recommended. They also uh, had sort of a three-part um, uh, effort here. They had evangelization training, which I think would cover some of what you're describing is like finding people who aren't going to like look at Tim trying to go the opposite direction and like run him down. Like, like, oh, wait, wait, I have to welcome you. You know, and uh, then also uh, videos that you could just find afterwards and kind of learn about on your own. And then a newly published website specifically focused on Christmas mass times. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, some some places are, are really trying to put these things into practice. Um, and the other another part of this campaign was they were running ads on Spotify. Which oh. I thought was amazing. And like, so <laughs> just like a lot of things that are, you know, sort of basic practice for other yeah. advertising agencies. But the fact that the church is, again, as Jack mentioned, being where people are, you know, they're most people, a lot of people aren't paying for a Spotify premium. So they're getting those ads. And if they hear uh, a non judgmental invitation to church with a clear, like, designation of here's how you can figure it out, I mean, that's great. That's amazing. And even if they don't take any action based on that, that one point of encounter with the church in my Spotify feed that's inviting me is going to soften the invitation the next time someone asks me about if, right. I'm, if I want to go to church or not. That it is actually part of our culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How, speaking of that, how much is it uh, on just normal everyday Catholics to maybe invite someone back to church? Well, that is such an interesting thing. And there's a lot of great um, 
uh, literature, podcasts, articles on what it takes for someone to invite someone to church, right? And and uh, when I read it, because it's usually in a Protestant setting or uh, evangelical setting yep. uh, that's coming out of that, I always think, how does that translate for Catholics? And Catholics almost never invite anyone because they're not sure of the quality. <laughs> and and if you've oh, ever that's invited, interesting. If, it's not even a it's not a fear of the response from the other no. person per se. It's just like. I don't even know what I'm inviting you to. Correct. Because you may have gone to Mass and had a, which is a, a incredible homily and a great music and it was fantastic. And so you actually take the risk on Wednesday to ask someone to go with you and you go and it's terrible. And you feel so exposed and vulnerable at that time. It's an experience you never want to have again. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that ha- like my family's come to visit me and I've taken them to like a parish. You know, I don't drag them along. They're happy to go. But yeah. like if it's not, you know... A good experience I you do feel you feel super guilty you're like so yeah, sorry yeah. you could have been you know at your home parish with the wonderful Correct. homily and the great music or whatever it was or you know having brunch or whatever you're yeah, gonna do or whatever or whatever you know it's like consistency piece yeah like it's oh, that's interesting be, it's gonna be good all the time what do you think is sort of the viability of the parish model as we go forward I mean we talk a lot about inviting people into the parish and getting people back to the parish and a lot of, uh, at least in the young adult world, Zach and I have had a lot of conversations about this. You know, a lot of it is sort of like regional or interest-based or like, you know, you join the Catholic Young Professionals Group or you join the young adult group of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and you go to the pub or whatever, you know, and the, they're the they're, they're not as tied to sort of like, this is the parish near my house and I will attend that parish or even finding a parish so much as a community. Mm-hmm. I, I love this topic because, again, I think all the the pieces are there. They're just sort of lying around in a parish. The pieces that, that, that we really could use to respond to the real hungers in people, and not n- not just young adults, but certainly young adults looking for that community piece. And I think there's a way that rather than kind of creating two parallel experiences, here's the parish, which we endure, and then <laughs> I get to drink yeah. with my friends uh, in the young Catholic uh, right, right, young right. Catholics. Uh, uh, pub thing uh, and they're two different things is that I was in Paris for work this fall and uh, one of the things the Jesuits do in Paris in the Jesuit parish is uh, called and I don't know it in French but it's the mass that takes its time and what they've managed to do is they do all this work with young adults what they did is they took they took the regular mass and they they changed how the gospel is proclaimed right and so they proclaim the gospel then they take five minutes of silence they proclaim the gospel again and then they break into small groups and they discuss the gospel in in the church. Oh, well, like a Lexio Divina kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then they come back, they proclaim the gospel again, and they move on. So out mm-hmm. of those, out of that dynamic, small groups have evolved and emerged and began to take on things in the parish. Like some of those small groups have come forward and done, now do the music. Others do hospitality. Others do like lecturing, all the rest. So they've taken the parish model, cracked it open a little bit, created a space for small groups to actually uh, uh, arrive around the gospel and then to take up the church and move it forward. And it That's was fascinating. I've never heard of that. I've never, is that being done elsewhere? Is that sort of like the first where this is being pioneered? I, it's been done for a while in St. Ignatius in uh, the Saint-Trecev part uh, of the, the Jesuit world in Paris. Hmm. And they may be doing it in Lyon as well. But uh, I was thinking, wow, that would be great to adapt and adopt for us because then you can have those two things come together. Well, it also touches on like the how long is this going to take question. Mm-hmm. And you know you're gonna, going to this one and it's going to take a while, but you're going to be glad you stayed. Well, and the question about how long is it going to take 
is only really, it's useful at the start for someone yeah. because it's like a trip to the dentist and you want it short. It's like, how long should a homily be? Well, it, if it's a good homily, 20 minutes is not long enough. If it's a bad homily, three minutes is too long. So, you know, if you start actually liturgy and homilies improve and connect better, then the, the, the length question goes away. Now, to get a little bit more to Carrie's question about parish model, when I think of that, or and I think when a lot of people think of that, it's this, uh, it's not necessarily getting engaged in a program or um, or an event at a parish, but it's the, the day-to-day, I go, I I register at this parish, I come back and I get involved in two or three things, and this is sort of my home base. I know for young adults, I, I have that, I, to go back to Con Ed, I have that approach towards getting my utilities hooked up, right? Like I know that there's electricity that I need to get, I know there's Wi-Fi I need to get, but most young adults do not have this idea of a parish where it's like, oh, I have to go to my parish and I will fight through whatever red tape there is to, to get it in my life. Um, do you see that having a future in the U.S. church? Uh, the connecting to a parish? Yeah, a specific location-based parish. Yeah, I think that would have to be um, re-envisioned and re-adopted by, by young adults and how to see that as a, as a, a good or a value, why, why you would bother. And the church continues to look for ways to answer that question for young adults, adults who are, are mobile, Let's mm-hmm. just say, let's just keep it there. We don't have to get into like, you know, lack of commitment, but just mobile, you move all the time and how yep. would you and, and how does that work? So I think there's other ways to find stuff that is already happening, good young adult groups, and how do you actually actually connect them to the parish model? But the parish, and I, I don't have to get too involved with this this answer, but the, the parish model is one piece of a wider landscape of Catholic experience. We, unfortunately, seem to have just the parish or nothing, and that shouldn't be the case. There's a parish, there's shrines, there's freestanding churches, there's different, different organizations, there used to be confraternities. There's a lot of different things in the Catholic world in which the parish can have just a part rather than having, having to, to do it all. Having yeah. to bear a burden that it's not up to actually yeah. carrying. Yeah, in schools and universities yeah, and hospitals. Whole, yeah, and Catholic other, media. Catholic media. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I understand. I mean, the church is naturally set up in many ways to help bring you know young people up in the faith, and then to take over again when you're baptizing your children and bringing children into the church. But more and more, there's a gap there of mm-hmm. ten there or fifteen is. years. So, and you know, culturally, they're still figuring out how to serve that population because yeah, you know, so, and it's it's not easy because it's. You know, families very much become the locus of the parish, and but you need to find ways to reach out to people who are either young or maybe, you know, single parents. That's the subject we're taking up in our... So there's different kinds of mm-hmm. uh, of Catholics and how we can't just serve one of them. And some people are in school, some people are not, you know, so it's... And the parish is more flexible than it appears. Yeah. Well, that's good. It re- really good is much more I'm nimble. shocked by this answer. <laughs> <laughs> it convinced it me. Just, it just is. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do if there's some creativity and a desire on the part of leadership. Yeah, and yeah. I think it has to be able to empower people to kind of help make that change. In that, you can't say like, "Well, Father didn't create my program for whatever," and you can, yeah. say, but Father has to be able to allow people the space to do it themselves too. There's a, yes. a real symbiotic relationship that's needed there. Yes, and there's all these resources in any parish, and most of them aren't with the the ordained leadership. Say more about that. What do you mean? It's just there's... Uh, in any, two minutes any, or less. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> any, any, any parish has uh, people that show up there that show up for a variety of reasons with enormous untapped gifts of experience and of vision. And uh, a leader can actually create the space for that to happen, for those visions to come forward and the energy to be released in the right direction. 
because the leadership won't know what that right direction is until the space is created and uh, the the gifts come forward. Well, that's where priests are often expected, or pastors are often expected to have so, like managerial skills, right? That's not just a spiritual. That's not like something that comes from just praying enough, right? No, you need like training, right? Yeah, 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 you need you need and uh, and a lot of parishes are working toward that and empowering lay people to help with that too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, You're Father welcome. Jack. We Thanks really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, in 12 months, we'll update you on our New Year's resolutions here, but uh, keep listening in the meantime. Uh, thanks again. If, uh, if you want to subscribe to America Magazine, you can call 1-800-627-9533. Follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc. For Zach Davis, Tim Reedy, and myself, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.